Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Looking for a new high-end mascara without breaking the bank? The new L'Oreal Paris Panorama Mascara gives you a high-end lash look in a premium gold luxe packaging. It's all about panoramic volume and fully fanned out lashes. With its tapered brush, the new Panorama Mascara catches every single lash, giving you the false lash look without any of the hassle. Say goodbye to clumps and flakes, because this mascara is specially formulated to resist them all day with up to 24-hour wear. And the best part? It performs better than Luxe mascaras at only a fraction of the cost. You can buy Panorama Mascara on Amazon today. Everyone, welcome to Dishing with Digest. I'm Stephanie Sloan, editorial director, here with Mara Levinsky, senior editor. Hi, everyone. Well, Mara, it's hard not to start with the death of soap vet Michael Tylo, who played Matt on All My Children, Quint on Guiding Light, Rick and Blade on Young and the Restless, among others. He was 73, and he was living in Las Vegas, where he served as a film professor at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. Uh, you know, Michael had previously been married to Hunter Tylo, Bold and Beautiful's Taylor, the two actually met on All My Children. Um, and, you know, they suffered the tragic loss of their son, Mickey, who drowned in 2007. And this just seems like such a huge loss on top of that. You know, my heart goes out to their whole family. Um, and we're certainly going to, uh, you know, address this in the magazine in yeah. the coming weeks as well. Yeah. Um, in some other medical news, Suzanne Rogers, who plays Days as Maggie, is finally returning to Salem this week. So Suzanne has been off camera since earlier this year, and I spoke to her for a story in the new issue, where she reveals that she had been hospitalized for three months after a freak accident in her home where she swallowed a pill wrong and was choking. Uh, so she called 911 and was taken to the hospital and wound up with pneumonia, not COVID, um, but admitted to me that she never was sure that she was going to make it home. Uh, but happily, she returned to the day set in May and could not be more thrilled to have resumed the role of Maggie again. Yeah, your, your interview with her was just an incredible read. I, I mean, what an ordeal she went through. Uh, it's just so incredibly wonderful that she is well enough to be back at work. And it's just as wonderful that we can look forward to having her back on screen this coming week. Maggie is, you know, such an important character. And Suzanne is such an important days veteran and Salem bedrock, you know. Um, we actually have another beloved vet coming back to a canvas this week. Tristan Rogers, who has been off screen for a bit as GH's Robert, is also returning. And he is going to take part in a very important unfolding story. And I'm so excited to see him as well. Oh, so am I. You know, I'm a big Scorpio fan. Yeah. Um, now, I know we've talked a lot about the possession tale on Days of Our Lives already, but you know, there is a lot to talk about and it uh -huh. isn't going anywhere. So I spoke to the show's head writer, Ron Carlovati, for a story in the new issue, and he admitted to me that he has been wanting to do this story since he first came aboard in 2017. 
but you know, thought maybe it wasn't the best way to introduce himself, if you will, to the day's audience. Um, he had put it on the back burner, and in fact, he was not even the one who pitched it this time around. It was executive producer Ken Corday and co-executive producer Albert Alar who pitched it to him, and needless to say, he didn't even have to think hard about saying yes. <laughs> so Ron tells me he's well aware that for every person who's excited about it, there's another who isn't, but he hopes there will be enough curiosity about this tale for them to tune in. I learned a lot of fun tidbits in your story with him, including how they came to choose Doug as the vessel for the devil to reintroduce himself to Marlena, if you will. Uh, one thing I really love about Ron is how willing he is to talk about the thinking process behind his storylines. Like, I never get bored hearing about how ideas come about and get fleshed out and all of that. You know, that peek behind the curtain is always so interesting to me. One of the most memorable uh, interview experiences that I ever had working for Digest was talking to the late Agnes Nixon, the creator of All My Children and One Life to Live, about where she got the impetus to tell some of the groundbreaking social issue storylines that she undertook over the course of her daytime career. And some of those stories were just so fascinating, like it was having a friend come out to her as a lesbian back when she was in college at Northwestern University that made her want to tell the story of Bianca coming out on All My Children many decades later. Oh, I love reading the stories behind the stories. I mean, because these are things that you really would not know unless you dug a little deeper. Yeah. And I agree. I feel like Ron especially is so great about sharing that vision and explaining how he, how he creates these storylines. And I am so in. Um, you know, he also gave us a preview of what's ahead, teasing that there are twists and turns we will not see coming. Um, and, you know, someone who will play a role in this story in a way I don't think people will expect is our guest today. It's Dan Furigal, who plays EJ and is a newcomer to Soaps. So let's check in with him and see how it's all going so far. Hi, Dan. Hello, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. <laughs> well, Mara and I were just saying how excited we are to talk to you. We haven't spoken to you at length before, so I feel like we're going to get to know a lot about you. Most definitely. I'm very excited to uh, talk to you both as well. It's going to be good. <laughs> okay, well, before we really get into it, please pronounce your name for all the folks out there. Uh, firstly, I would love to hear you both try and pronounce it first. <laughs> okay. Furigal. Pretty good. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Okay, here I go. Furigal. <laughs> yeah, there we go. So you, you both did. You, you didn't need me to pronounce it. Furigal. Yeah, so it's all good. Okay, well, is, is that a common name in Australia? No. Um, I think pretty much everybody who has that last name in Australia is related to me somehow. <laughs> um, if you type it in on Google in Germany, I think it's quite, I, I wouldn't say it's, it's quite common, but a lot more common in Germany than it is in Australia. But everybody in Australia, there's another guy called Dan Furigal who's like my second cousin or something like that. Um, <clears throat> I remember it was many years ago on YouTube, uh, like a video popped up and it was Dan Furigal and it was this acting thing. And I'm like, what the hell is this? And I had a look at it, it was a short film. And then I looked a little bit further and then I found out that uh, he was on Facebook and I messaged or was Twitter or Facebook or something like that. And he turned out to be a first cousin or a second cousin or something along those lines. So I just found that quite funny. And another lady with uh, uh, last name Furigal, she's another cousin of mine who she discovered some new uh, skeleton or, or something or fossils or something like that, which 
ages the human race a little bit longer or something along those lines. Wow. So uh, yeah, everybody that has my last name is, is pretty much related to me in Australia. Uh, were you ever advised to change it professionally? Not by anyone within the industry, just maybe a few friends or something like that. But I was like, no, because it's so unique. There's no reason to, to change it because it's not a common name or anything like that. Like my nickname at school was Fury, F-U-R-Y. And so a few people said, oh, change it to damn Fury. I'm like, no, nah, just <laughs> if I was like an action star or something like that, maybe, but right. no, I'll just use it as a character or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say my, my personal, you know, congratulations to myself is that I, I have been able to spell it for many months now without looking. Um, <laughs> Congratulations. That, that's generally the hardest. I, I get a lot of, uh, usually I get, it's like, it's spelled F-E-U. A lot of people spell it F-E-V. Um, but that could be just because of like when I write it, handwrite it, the U might look like a V. They always miss out on an E, especially towards the end. It's the E's that they miss out on. So I happen to have had someone who I knew whose last name was Fewer. And then there was a girl on Soaps whose last name was Regal. So, oh my God. <laughs> the little things, Dan. There we go. <laughs> taking note. You're taking note. <laughs> well, let's begin at the beginning. Obviously, you hail from Australia. So, tell us about where you grew up. So, I was born in Brisbane, in Australia. Um, it is about an hour and a half flight north of Sydney because most people know Sydney and Melbourne. Um, Brisbane generally people will go to as a like traveling through to go up north to go to Cairns which is where the Great Barrier Reef is um, so I grew up there I uh, attended QUT which is the Q Queensland University of Technology uh, it's the uh, like it's just a regular university or college and I studied the acting school there <clears throat> um, I was actually studying to get into vet science, actually, before I went into acting, I took a, it, I studied it for about six months, and then I realized that it just wasn't for me. I, I wasn't the type of person to sit in a room and study. It just wasn't, it just didn't mesh well with me. And so I took six months off. I worked, um, and then I auditioned for the acting school with my one of my best friends. Um, and I got in and I graduated after three years. I moved down to Sydney and that's where uh, the acting career began. I want to hear about your family. Tell me about your, your parents. Oh, my family. So I'm the eldest. I, the eldest of uh, four kids. I've got two younger brothers and a younger sister. My two younger brothers are taller than me. They're like 6'4 and 6'5. So I'm the, I'm the runt of the family at 6'2. <laughs> um, my little sister is almost my height. Um, I, my, my mother was a, a childcare, she, uh, owned a childcare center. So I grew up in a childcare center. Uh, she owned that for about 30 something years, I believe. Uh, my dad is, uh, and well, whilst he's retired now, he was an estimator. So he basically, if a company wanted to build a skyscraper, shall we say, they will go to the architect, the architect would design it, designer would then send it over to my dad and dad would figure out how much that's going to cost. Um, and I've got a big extended family, like uh, lots of cousins uh, now starting to, now obviously my, my brother's got two little 
daughters. So I've got two little nieces whom I adore like crazy. It's a little bit of a tough time that I, I, I can't really get back and, and see them as much as I'd like to. And uh, yeah, they're just, we're, we're a really close knit bunch, which is fantastic. And uh, I, I, I miss them. But uh, they're my biggest supporters. I'm always on FaceTime with them. And mom is always constantly posting about me on Facebook. <laughs> and, you know, my son's doing this. My son's doing that. Um, and uh, it's, it, it's awesome. So I, I, I love my parents. Uh, I love my family dearly. And uh, I'm very lucky to have a very solid unit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, what kind of kid were you? Oof. Okay. Um, let's see. I... When I was when I was really young, uh, Mum told me because some of it I just can't remember, but I, I do remember I was a bit, a bit bit of a active kid, bit of a hyperactive kid. Um, I was a very kind of sensitive, kind of empathetic child. Um, I uh, as I got older, I, you know, I, I would go in between kind of like being like shy and reserved and and being uh, a little bit more animated. I love sport. I played every sport that I could possibly think of. Um, <clears throat> rugby league, I'm not sure if you even know <laughs> that, that sport, uh, but in Australia, rugby league was my passion. Uh, I played rugby league, rugby union. I was in athletics, I was a hurdler. I would do high jump, I played cricket. You might not know what that is either. That's kind of like a different form of baseball if you just want to put it very, very simply. Um, so yeah, I loved playing sport. I still do. I will, I will be at a bar with my friends and there'll be a television up there with sport on it, any sport. And I would just gravitate naturally to it. And, you know, I'll get yelled at by my friends. Um, <clears throat> what else? I was in the choir when I was younger. Uh, I won a few awards as a singer and then I just, during my teenage years, I stopped because it wasn't cool. And I, I regret that because I've completely lost <laughs> all of that ability and skill. So I would need to retrain to kind of get the ear back and the voice back because I destroyed it as well with a lot of my acting, because especially with Spartacus, which we can talk about a little bit later. Um, let's see. Uh, very, 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 very shy kid when it came to uh, the ladies. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I was just a, I was a shy kid uh, amongst a big group of people. But then like my closest friends, I, I would obviously come out of my shell and things like that. But uh, um, I, acting definitely opened me up a lot more to, to being a bit more confident with myself. So how did you discover your interest in performing? I've, I've always been a fan of film, always. I, I remember when I was younger, I would make movies up in my mind and like reenact them in the backyard. I remember trying to create a new uh, Aliens movie like the Ridley Scott, James Cameron, aliens kind of movies. I remember doing that. I, um, I just, I just loved performing. I loved dressing up. Like well, we had like Halloween parties and things like that. My mom sent me all these photos of me in various Halloween costumes back then. 
in the grade seven, we did a musical called Monsters and uh, my character was Vermin, which was, and I went to an all boys school. So I was dressed up as like pale makeup and a wig and I had high heels and, and played uh, this Vermin who was like dark inside and like tortured. And uh, I remember I had to do one scene where my introduction was like slowly kind of like heel, I don't know, like walking out, like strutting out into the middle of the, the crowd. And everyone's like, Woo-hoo! in my dress and high heels and stuff <laughs> like that. Um, and I had to sing a song, Black Inside, um, which I think I remember like some of the lyrics. Yeah. But that was kind of my first taste of, <laughs> no, I'm not singing it. <laughs> um, I that was my first taste of real acting and I studied drama at school, but then my teenage years came along and like drama wasn't cool. And I kind of fell into that kind of sporting ground. So I kind of moved off in that direction. Um, and so, but I still just really enjoyed it. And I, I, when I was studying, uh, it was applied science to, to get the grades up to get into vet school. Um, as I said before, I realized I didn't want to do that anymore. I took six months off and I was sitting down <clears throat> at my friend's place, Michael Lucas, and I was watching a movie, Varsity Blues. I don't know if you remember Varsity Blues with Paul Walker. And, yeah, I don't yeah. want your life. That's the quote. Yeah, there we go. There we go. <laughs> James Vanderbeek. Um, and... It's still, to this day, it's still one of my favorite films. Like, I rewatch it, I'm like, I still love this. Mm-hmm. And it was a scene towards the end where, like, they're, they're, I think they're, you know, going for the winning play or, or something like that. And the Foo Fighters song, My Hero, came on. And all of a sudden, I just, I, I kind of disappeared into this daydream where I just imagined myself being in that film and just like being really proud of what I did and being on the big screen and my family and friends being like, Oh, that's so awesome. Congratulations. And I got goosebumps and I realized, wait, that's what I want to do. And so I chatted with my friend, Maddie, who um, I asked him about the acting school because he was studying like, like theater at the same college. And he said, Oh yeah, try out for this. Like it's just really, really hard. I only picked like 15 people. And so um, I looked into it or I applied, I had to go, I had to learn two monologues. Um, I had to pick one myself and then pick from what they chose. Like they're all Australian players pretty much. And I went through the audition process. There's about three or four auditions and I, I, I got in and it was one of those, it was one of those uh, kind of, situations where it just it just felt easy i was i was 18 at the time i was going to the gym a lot i was feeling really confident with myself i was starting to you know grow into your face as they say and so i was getting really confident with all that and and i think as well i had no idea about acting like the industry i was naive to it and so i kind of went in without any damage or anything of that nature. So I just went in and did what I wanted to do. And I think that worked in my favor, but also if you believe in like, like, you know, manifesting your own kind of 
career and destiny and things like that because there was just no doubts and I just had fun and enjoyed it and loved it. I think it just kind of worked and, and got me there. So I got the call and, and I, I, I got in and there was three awesome years where I, I was at an actor at this college and I felt like I was top shit. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was amazing. It was just so much fun. And so that's how I ended up getting into, into, um, into acting. And then obviously, once you get into the industry, different story. Well, what was your first uh, big break? Um, how did you get into the industry? At the end of acting school, we did a showcase for all the agents in Sydney. So I, I, I had an agent. Uh, she called me up and she wanted me to come and have a meeting. And... I sat with her and we had a chat and we really, really got along. Um, and I, I think I had a couple of other agencies to, no, I didn't have any other agencies called me up, but it kind of came across as though she thought that I had a couple of other people to go talk to over the weekend. So she said, Oh, well, you know, we'll let me know and I'll let you know and all that. And days passed and I started getting really, nervous. I was like, Oh man, I'm not going to get an agent. Oh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And so I freaked out and I called her up and she was like, Dan, no, we, I want you. I thought that you were like looking at other people, then making decisions. So I like freaked myself out for like three or four days waiting for her to call, but she was waiting on me to call because she, it was like a miscommunication. So I had a really good relationship with her. Um, uh, until I think it was last year actually. And then, uh, I'm, I'm no longer with her, but that was just because I just hadn't been back in Australia for a long time. COVID hit, they needed to go to a little bit smaller and they just thought it was best to kind of part ways. Cause I wasn't doing anything in Australia for a long time. And my very first job, I think it took about two years in Sydney. And my very first job was a KFC commercial. <laughs> back when the first Sam Raimi Spider-Man came on because it was kind of an advertisement for that. So I did that and then that opened the floodgates for me for about two years where I was just booking left, right and center. Most of it was commercials or I get a little bit on this TV movie and I get, uh, uh, I got called up saying, hey, somebody's pulled out of this te television show. Do you want to come in? and play the role for like two episodes. We'll fly you out to this place. And I was like, yeah. And so all these things were kind of happening. So 2009 was when I ended up booking Spartacus. Uh, I went in for another character, a character called Crixus. And this was very, very early on. This was like in January. And I auditioned for that, nothing happened. That was that. So anyway, months passed. And then another audition comes through to audition for uh, these brothers, uh, Agron and Juro. So I auditioned for Juro. And we had to do two scenes and we had to do it in a English accent and also a German accent. <laughs> oh God. So luckily I had a friend who was German and helped me out with the accent. So it was as realistic as I could possibly get within a week. So I went in there and auditioned for it. I auditioned with Faith Martin, who was a lovely casting agent in Australia, who it was a big fan of mine. And so she was always trying to help me out whenever she could. And so I auditioned and moved on and that was that. And then about two weeks later, I got a missed call from my agent while I was working at that JB Hi-Fi. And I quickly ran up to the bathroom to get the call because I always love when my agent calls me. And, <laughs> and I, I got on the phone. It was a guy called Will, an agent called Will. And I said, hey, uh, Will, what can I do for you? 
And he said, it's not what I can do for you. It's what, Sp- uh, it's what Spartacus can do for you. And I was like, oh my God. And he told me that uh, I'd booked the role and they would be in contact with me in a couple of days because they're going to start hashing out a contract and figure out what's going on. And then over the next couple of days, they kept calling me saying, this is actually a lot bigger than what we first anticipated. And uh, so there was a lot of that back and forth. And then at the time, that's when Andy, who was playing Spartacus at the time, he got pneumonia. So they had to stop production for a couple of weeks. And so things dragged on a little bit there. And obviously, you know, when you don't hear stuff and time drags on, you get a little bit freaked out as an actor. But it all ended up working out in the end. And I, I flew over to New Zealand where they were shooting it. And um the first season for me was fantastic because i had zero pressure i wasn't the lead i was a supporting role and i popped in every now and then in the first season but i i made really great friends and i enjoyed myself and i just went to the gym all the time i'd go out and have fun and drink and do all this sort of stuff so it was a really fun atmosphere for me anyway i didn't have a, a television show on my shoulders and um so we finished that and I came back to Sydney and then we were going to go back to season two and I think it was Jan- February or something like that. But that's when, unfortunately, Andy was diagnosed with, uh, with, with cancer. And so they put a hold on the production. Um, they shot their prequel, Gods of the Arena. And in that time, I'm like, ah, I don't know what I'm doing. And I like auditioning for other things because I was still under contract. I think they could have me under contract for another like till the end, towards the end of that year. So I ended up going back to Brisbane with my family just to hang out with my family and save money and all that sort of stuff. And, and we're about to, then we got the call, hey, we're gonna go back again. And then the cancer came back for Andy because he got the all clear and then it came back again. And then he gave permission to recast. So they started the process of recasting and, and eventually they got to the point where they, they cast Liam and it, it went ahead and then, we, we, after a year, we, we flew back and started shooting uh, the second season. And uh, that's obviously when Andy unfortunately passed away. But um, it, it was a pretty interesting period of time. Like a lot of stuff just went on and, and, and like you, everyone's wondering if they've got a job. Everyone's like worried about Andy. And, um, but it, it, it all turned out as, as good as it possibly could be regarding, uh, in regarding the situation. And that period of time absolutely changed my life. Uh, it got me an agent in America, um, and a manager in America. And I moved over in 2013 and started it all over again. Okay. So, well, what was that like? So now you were in season one, you've now gotten cast in like a huge deal show and then it kind of got put on hold. So what was it like to sort of experience what exactly you wanted to do and you succeeded in that and then to be put on pause just what so i got booked in the role and then the trailer for first season came out and i was like holy shit am i allowed to swear on this is that fine yeah. <laughs> sorry i'm australian i swear <laughs> um and i just remember seeing it and was just just this amazing cool movie like trailer that i hadn't seen and when like when i finally saw it i was like oh my god this is the show that i'm going to be on that's so cool it's it's an american production this is amazing this is the kind of stuff that i want to do and so i was super excited i was just so happy the whole time obviously because i didn't have any pressure on my shoulders and about three quarters of the way through shooting the first season they 
got us all together in the um, commissary or the the eating the eating area and had this massive screen and they played the first two episodes and I remember the very first scene of the very first episode and what it is is Andy as Spartacus is kind of chained up and he's kind of looking at his hands and he's trying to figure out what's going on and all of a sudden all this dust falls on him and he looks up and he can hear the like the the roar of the crowd in 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 the in the um in, in the arena and the camera pans up and it goes through the wall and goes into the arena and everyone's just screaming and they're fighting and it looks like 300 the movie 300 and i just remember getting goosebumps because i was like whoa this is the show that i'm on this is so cool and it just it did it felt like i wouldn't say it felt like i made it but it felt like like i did it i did something yes i'm on something really really awesome and this is the kind of thing that i envision and it was just the whole time the whole time was just so much fun. I was working. It didn't feel like work at all. I, I wasn't the lead, so there wasn't that pressure on it. And by the time second season came along, I was so comfortable with the role that I, it, it kind of felt like that character was me. So I didn't have any stress in that regard. The, the hardest part was obviously the physical aspect of it, like all the training. And I can tell you all about that kind of training. But when, the, when it stopped and that period, you're going through a lot of stuff. You, you're worried about Andy. You're wanting Andy to get better. Like um, the, the, the guy that played my brother, whose name was also Andy, we went and visited him in hospital just to see how he was doing. And, and that was really sad, but also really nice because he was happy to see us. Um, but it's just a matter of the hardest part is you're under contract. And so you're, you can't really do anything while you're waiting to find out if they're going to, the people up top, like the five people at the top <laughs> who run this, run the network are going to go, yeah, we don't want to do this show anymore. And then, you know, hundreds of people's love of lives have changed. So I did my best to just kind of, you know, keep myself calm and chill out. There, there was a few up and down moments definitely in that period of time, but then getting the call, I got a call from Stephen Denight, who was the creator of the show saying, Hey dude, we're back on, you know, be prepared. And then I started training again uh, to get myself back in shape uh, because I'd let myself go in that year. Um, <laughs> and I'd say that would be the hardest part of the show was, was the training and the constant fight sequences. I got so many injuries. I, I tore my AC, I tore my quad. Um, like uh, I got knocked unconscious one time with an accident um so many other people people have been stabbed people have been hit in the face with shields people like knuckles busted from like the sword fighting and it was just constant because because it was 10 episodes well the first season was 13 but because it was 10 episodes you we and so many fight sequences in each one we had to just constantly come up with new fight sequences and we got to a point where we would be learning them five minutes before we'd actually had to do the fight and, but we got so good at it that we were able to pick it up really quickly. But that meant just a lot more accidents and injuries. But the stunt team in New Zealand is fantastic. Like um, they're the they're the sword and sandal 
geniuses basically because they did all of Lord of the Rings and, and all that sort of stuff. So they knew exactly what they were doing. And they're like Al Poppleton um, is the head of the stunt crew there and he's, he's brilliant and everybody else was just, they're just a lovely bunch of people. So I, I couldn't speak any more highly of the stunt crew in New Zealand. They make us basically look like we're awesome. Um, <laughs> and I imagine you're kind of the person that no one wants to pick a fight with. Like you were, you could probably do some serious damage. Um, like you'd be surprised. Like when, like when you watch a show, I am tall, but all the stunt team, and all the extras, they're monstrous human beings. I'm tiny compared to them. Plus they're all like genuine fighters and genuine stunt people who are just tough. And you've got guys who did MMA who were like six foot six and gigantic human beings. Um, and plus as well, I'm, st I'm still that shy kind of sensitive kid that I've never been in a fight I may have gotten into verbal arguments, but I've never been into a physical fight. I think, I think the last time it was when I was like a, a little kid and we're talking about one of those kinds of fights. <laughs> um, so I'm not really, I, I can portray it and get it out, but probably because the inner, the, the inner warrior in me is like, come on, Dan, get angry. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no, I, I just, I just, I just really wanted to make sure everybody was happy and 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 enjoyed their time and on the show because that's kind of my personality um sometimes to my detriment being too much of a people pleaser mm -hmm. but um yeah it, it 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 was it was good and um i did feel tall compared to the cast but everyone else no they're all big, <laughs> they're all big humans <laughs> <laughs> okay, so as you mentioned, the exposure from the show got you an agent and a manager yes. in the States. Uh, so tell us about deciding to make that move and what the transition was like for you. That's a big move. It is. I, I was happy. I was lucky enough to have saved a, a fair bit of money. So it wasn't as daunting as I thought it would be. Like, and because once again, it all kind of flowed easily. Like I flew over for the, for the premiere of season two. And I was chatting with various people. I had a few various meetings and, and everybody wanted to represent me because I was obviously coming off a show. Um, so I had one, obviously one more season to go on the show so they couldn't pick me up right there and then. Um, but I, I met my manager who I still have today and she's amazing. And uh, I was with one agency, but then after about a couple of years, we decided to part ways just because it wasn't working. And now I'm with my current agency. Uh, which are fantastic. So I came over here and I'm lucky I had friends from the show who were on the show that lived over here. And so they were able to kind of help me and show me the ropes. I, I was definitely naive to how it ran over here, especially the auditioning process. When I came over here, cause I was new and they were trying to introduce me to everybody. It was a brutal pilot season. I was having three or four auditions a day, four times a week. It, I, I was burnt out by the end of three months and I was going for things that I just was not right for, but they just wanted to see me. And so I, it just, some of the auditions that I did, I know were not very good because it just didn't feel right for me. And, and you're trying to learn lines and, and I wasn't comfortable not knowing my lines perfectly in this audition process, but in over here, 
if you're that swamped, you don't need to know them. You just have to be really good at kind of like picking off the page and just showing what you can about the character. <clears throat> so that was a really brutal time and it left me a little bit deflated because nothing came of it. Um, and so that naivety kind of, I was thrust into the reality of the situation. <clears throat> and so for the next couple of years, it was, it was pretty, pretty tough. I, I ended up doing a movie over in the UK that year. And that was, that was a nice little, nice little kind of, uh, respite, respite. I don't know if that's what, um, and, uh, yeah. And then like, I think it was like two or three years and then boom, I booked, uh, agents of shield and agents of shield. I think the producers and some of the writers were actually on Spartacus. So that was a nice little kind of, Hey, how you going guys? Good to see you all again. And that was kind of fun, but it was like one episode there. And then I booked an episode of, uh, um, Chicago fire. And then I booked an episode of NCIS. So it was just all little tiny little bits and pieces. Um, audition for everything under the sun. I, I had auditioned for days, probably about like, I don't know, eight or nine times. Um, <clears throat> and funnily enough, they were starting the audition process for EJ. I think, I think I auditioned for EJ maybe like four times, but they weren't telling you what it was for. They were just auditioning for it. I think um, Marnie, the um, the casting agent for it. She, my very first audition for Days was, I was auditioning for a guy who's like an Elvis impersonator. So I've auditioned for Days about eight, eight or nine times. It might be slightly exaggerated, I'd have to check, but I've auditioned for General Hospital like five times. I think it was Young and the Restless. I actually got down to the last four and tested for it. And that was to replace the character that, the actor from This Is Us. Justin he, Hartley. Yeah, yeah. So I was going Adam for Adam. Yeah, so I was going for him. Okay. Um, obviously, I didn't get it, but that was my first test. And it was like, oh, geez, that was nerve wracking. Um, and it was a very different testing process to Days of Our Lives. So um, there was that. And then, yeah, Marnie said that they were, they were trying to put their toe in the water in regards to let's start thinking about potentially bringing EJ back. Now, this was about three years prior to me actually getting uh, days. And so even longer before that. So I did the audition for, for uh, the, the Ellis impersonator and Marnie absolutely loved me. She was really, really sweet. She's really, really caring. And then... I knew something was a little bit different for one of the auditions when she brought me in on uh, to audition for a role during their dark week, which is the week when they're not filming. And it was just me. I just went in there, auditioned for Marnie, and then she brought um, uh, Albert, Allah, the, one of the producers, to just come and sit in the room and watch me. And that was it. I did the audition for him and, and for her in, in her office. And, and then, oh, thanks very much, guys. And, and that was that. And, you know, you're expecting to potentially hear something like, oh, that, that was kind of interesting. It was just me. And like the, you'd think you'd hear a call, but no, nothing, nothing. There was nothing. And then I think I, I maybe auditioned for like one or two other proper roles during that period of time. And then that's when uh, COVID hit. And so... I flew back to Australia just to be with the family because it was a little bit more open in Australia at that time. 
And that's when I got a, um, uh, the audition for, uh, I think it was Colin. They called the character Colin. And I did a self-tape. I had to get my sister to be my reader. And I kind of, I, I coached her. I'm like, okay, be like this, come in this quickly, do this, do this, do this. And what I do with self-tapes sometimes, if I don't want to learn the lines, I'll just type it out on a teleprompter app on, the, on my laptop. And so I just press spacebar and my dialogue just <laughs> like goes from the bottom to the top and I just read it and I'm very good at making it look real. So I just read it and we got it all done in about 10 minutes and then moved on. And so about two weeks later, I got a call from my agent saying, hey, they really, really love you. They want you to test for it. And, and I was thinking, okay, we'll do a Zoom test or something like that. No, like, no, no, no. They want you to come back to LA. And I'm like, oh man, because you're thinking, and this is based on my previous um, experiences, I would have to pay my own flight over there. I would have to then go into the audition. And if I don't get it, all this money has been wasted. And so there was that hesitancy of me like, uh, I don't know if I want to do this. And that was running through, you know, the poor actor mentality. And then they came back to me saying, no, 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 they'll fly you over. They'll put you up. It's a chemistry read with uh, Alison Sweeney. And I was like, all right, well, if they're going to do all that for me. And, and that gave me a little bit of confidence because I was like, oh, no one's ever done that for me before. No one's ever flown me over. No one's ever like given a shit enough to go, hey, no. We want you, except for Spartacus, but it was literally just me flying from Australia to New Zealand, which is a four hour flight. And so they flew me over, they put me up in a hotel, uh, Marnie, like, they sent me new signs, Marnie contacted me and we ran over it and she said, okay, the blocking would probably be like this and they're gonna like have you do a test run with the, um, uh, in front of the camera, it's, they're gonna shoot it exactly how they shoot the show. And so the day arrived, we had to get tested for COVID. We had to wait in um, our rooms for about two hours to get the all clear. Then I went up and did a rehearsal with Alison. That's when Marnie gave me a bit of advice. And then she told me, she kind of pulled me aside and said, okay, I'm going to make you go first. That way they have to do like a mini rehearsal with the cameras. So you can kind of get a, get a bit of a flow for it. And you maybe you could get rid of some of the nerves. And so we did that. And then the audition came along. And I did the scene with Allison and then, all right, cool. Thank you. Bye. So you do it once and then you go and you're like, Oh, all right. Okay. <laughs> and it's like all this build up, all this energy, all these nerves and then done and you go off. And then for the next two days, I was kind of like, you know, just chilling out. But there was a part of me that was really, really confident just based on all the factors that came along that, that, uh, Marnie was on my side. She gave me a few little hints here and there and, and that she'd brought me in several times for that role. Um, I don't, I can't remember if she'd told me, me at that point that that was what she was doing. And then I got a call from my agent while I was driving and they said, Hey, you booked it then. Congratulations. You probably won't start till March. This was in January, I think it was, or early February. And it, it was, a, it was a weird it was a weird feeling because there was a part of me that just didn't get super excited. It was just like, Oh yeah, I expected that. Mm -hmm. Like it was that kind of weird. It wasn't one of those like, Oh my God, like throwing things and stuff like that. It was like awesome. And yeah, there's a part of me that was like, oh, I knew I was going to get that. 
And then there was another part which was like, yes, because you start spending all the money in your head. Um, <laughs> what would you buy? Um, basically, it was just like, like just living, being able to live without worrying about money for a while. Yeah. That was kind of what I was buying. And uh, yeah, so that that's how that happened. And and obviously, I went in to do some uh, uh, fittings and and haircut, hair and makeup over the over the months. But it took me about. I'm glad that I had about a month and a bit to to kind of start training and getting back into shape because I was about I was about 13, 14 pounds overweight. And when I started training, and you can see it, I mean, I can see it anyway. From the very first episode to kind of now, I'm like, I can see how I lost 13 pounds of fat, and I can see my face change and my also we slowly change my look. <clears throat> like how I am now with the with the stubble and everything. That's how I my character looks on the show now. Like at the moment, I think he's he's not he doesn't have a beard, or he's slowly getting it's stubble. A little it's stubble, like, right? He's getting a little bit because I just for some reason I just hate myself clean shaven. I just I'm just not used to it, and I don't really like it, <clears throat> especially when I've got a little bit of like baby fat around my face, and I sh- that's where it shows on my face. Um, and also like Albert was telling me, hey dude, hey you got to get yourself looking like you're doing Spartacus. I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, because he wants me like, like in some scenes, he probably wants me to go like shirtless and be all manly. I'm like, oh, dude, it takes so long to get to that shape. <laughs> so maybe next year I'll be like in that shape. <laughs> <laughs> it's also a very specific film. <laughs> Sorry? <laughs> 2022 goals. I'm going to talk yeah, to you. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. EJ finally worked out. <laughs> That's a tra- 2020 preview. 2022 preview. Yes, absolutely. DJ takes his shirt off and looks amazing. Yeah. Um, okay, so obviously you come in today's working with Allison Sweeney. There's so much Sammy EJ history that you were kind of coming into already in progress. Talk about, uh, talk to us if you will about uh, working with Ali, building that connection with her, and also wrapping your mind around the EJammy juggernaut history. So the first thing they told me was don't read the comments. <laughs> and uh, I, I've never been one to read the comments anyway, because as a lot of people do, I end up like, oh, that's nice. That's nice. That's nice. Oh, that one negative one. Oh, my life's over. Um, <clears throat> and I knew that because I was being recast and, and that I was a recast and that uh, James was so loved that I'm going to get a lot of vitriol. I knew that. I knew that. And uh, obviously when I first announced it uh, on my timeline, obviously it was really, really nice because people don't necessarily go to your page to be assholes. I mean, yeah, they do, but not, not necessarily straight away. <clears throat> um, but then like on the days, like Instagram page and the days, Twitter, everyone's like, who the hell is this? Like, cause they're expecting someone from another show to like come in and do it like a, 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 a veteran soap actor. Um, a few people recognized me from Spartacus and they were like, Oh cool. He's actually really cool. And this would be kind of fun. But most of it was just like, who the hell is this guy? No wrong. And I also like, I, I just hated the way I looked in the photos. Um, so I was like, Oh, um, but in the end for me, it was just, I just go in there, I do my job and I'm confident with what I do. And then that's all I can do. And then the rest is up to, up to, to everything else. Cause I, <clears throat> I've actually never seen one of my episodes. I don't, 
I don't really watch them. I'll get sent stuff by people like my friends and family. Mum and mum always sends me stuff. Um, and I appreciate, I'm like, oh, okay, like, you know, not too bad. And I actually got a copy of my test that I did with Alison and I watched it and I was actually pleasantly surprised. I was like, I did not hate myself on that. That's okay. And I'm like, okay, I can kind of see how they probably cast me. Anyway, so the first, the first couple of weeks were brutal for me. I just getting used to the amount of dialogue, getting used to the speed of the show. It was, I was very nervous as well. Um, but Allison made me feel awesome. She was really, really good. She's such a pro. Like she, I mean, obviously she's been on the show for, for a long time and she's just like, boom, 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 boom. She, she even's like stops it and we'll go, no, 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 no. Like, what's this? And like, let's do this. And like, she'll like be changing things here and there and kind of give a bit of direction and all that sort of stuff because she, she knows the character and she knows the, the, the dynamic between the two. So, so well, and, um, my very first day, I was super nervous because I was like, okay, because I made a big deal of being able to just do it all perfectly all the way through once. That's what they say during the audition process. And so I thought, all right, I'm going to be perfect. And I have like five pages of like me talking. Um, and uh, Brian and Ali like messed up straight away. <laughs> and that immediately made me go, oh, okay. <laughs> if they can screw up then i can screw up and then you realize that they're not gonna they're not gonna move on unless they're happy with what you got so they will go back and do it again they'll pick up from a particular place if they're not happy and so that kind of gave me a little bit more confidence and, and i got a bit more relaxed but they would also like like ali and and the director and the producers and the other actors would have to come in every now and then and go okay this is what the relationship, this is what you're talking about right now. Uh, this is what this is. This is what this is. Cause I'll be like, I have no idea what I'm talking about here. And so they come in and kind of tell me about this and say, okay, I think uh, a couple of years ago, I think you shot someone or they shot you. Or, and then they would like have a conversation amongst themselves to try and figure out what happened because they've forgotten themselves because they've done so much of it. Um, so that was a lot of fun, but it, everyone has been so supportive so sweet like everyone seems so happy to be there and working especially during this really difficult time mm -hmm. and um i'm very grateful to be a part of it but it, it just took me a while i'd say about two months in is when i really started to settle in and hit my straps and and i've get became really really good at learning this style of writing really quickly and knowing it to the point where okay i can get through it once and then leave it and then move on to the next scene. That's the key to this genre. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's just your your brain just works in a, a different way. Now, if I got a script from another writer and another style, maybe my brain would be like, "Oh, what's going on here?" It might take me a little bit longer because you just get used to a very specific style and letting it go. Because there'd be scenes where. Um, I can't remember what it was. I think it might've been with Allison where we'd shot the scene and we were really happy with it. And then at the end, they're like, oh guys, we're going to have to go again. Cause we were already ready to go for the second, the next scene. And we both went, oh, uh, oh shit. Uh, and we had to read the scene again. Cause we'd already like let it out the, let it out and kind of forgotten about it. And so we had to just read over it again, quickly again to get it back in the brain again. They went, oh, okay, cool. I'm gonna go on. Um, but yeah, it, it's, 
it's a lot of fun. It, it took a while, but now I'm really, really comfortable with the role. And now that I'm more comfortable, I can start making kind of more irreverent choices and having a bit more fun with it. And I'm comfortable that they're not, um, they're not looking over my shoulder to see if I'm good enough for the role still. And I mean, maybe they are, but I'm just unaware of it. um but i'm yeah i'm making more like having a little bit more fun like making ej a little more cheeky or a bit more bit more of a dick in these situations rather than just you know the you know the stern kind of you know um grumpy dude Mm -hmm. (laughs) well um you know you've also been playing a lot with your on-screen brother so first of all did the fact that you had a fellow australian and teo penglis help ease your way uh (laughs) dynamic between ej and tony yeah yeah no it was great like when we we first connected we chatted and immediately we just started talking about australia which was really good and we just felt more comfortable and and that was really nice, really lovely. And he's such a sweet, sweet man. And like every time we see each other, it's like, hey, damn, give a hug and we get on, on set. And it was, it was good that all the people that I worked with when I first started just made me feel really comfortable and really, really welcomed. And so uh, it, it was a, a lovely, lovely atmosphere to come into. And, and you know, we're, we're still bumping around like a few scenes here and there and depending on what's going on in the story. Um, and uh, yeah. He's, he's a good human being and we still talk about Australia, like what's going on at the moment and like, uh, where do you want to go? Do you want to move back there? What's going on and all that sort of stuff. So it's really good. Uh, what about uh, another brother that you've been interacting with, Mr. Billy Flynn, who plays Chad? Billy is awesome. Uh, I, I always get nervous when I work with new people um, because I don't know the dynamic that we have. Like we, And sometimes that you, you don't have the opportunity to rehearse beforehand to kind of get an idea of that. Um, the, the thing I had to get used to with Billy is because I kind of feel EJ is a little bit slow with how he talks because he's a bit more posh. Billy's fast. He talks fast. And so I'm like, Oh, okay. I have to know my lines a bit better or just be prepared to like, okay, this is how fast he's going to do it. And so when I learn my lines, I have this app called line learner and, um, they like I can I'll record my lines, record the other lines, and then when I play it back, it blurts out, it uh, covers out my lines. So there's a space, and so I make sure whenever I'm doing scenes with with Billy, I read my dialogue really quickly, so it's a lot faster, just to get used to his pace. But he's awesome. It, we we develop that kind of brotherly bond almost immediately, where we would try and make each other laugh during scenes and be like idiots. And so that's been a lot of fun. And the fact that we clash so much in the show, Mm -hmm. and it it reminds me of Spartacus where these macho guys are just looking at each other, trying to like stare each other down, but we just start laughing because we just like, we're not doing like, it's not us and we're not being real. And it just feels ridiculous, especially at the end when you're trying to stare each other down and we have to do that thing where they, they, the camera pans in and we have to wait a little while like without fail we almost kind of make each other laugh or during a scene he'll do something or during a scene i'll do something try and make him laugh so it's always a lot of fun to to work with him but also like i'm sure we've screwed up a few takes (laughs) (laughs) um well another dynamic we're seeing explored is the ej and nicole relationship so tell us working with ari and because that is a 
couple with a very big fan base of its own. Yeah, I saw that. And I've seen people go, if you end up with, like, I'll get messages. If you end up with Nicole, I'm not watching, blah, 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 I'm not watching a show anymore. And I'm like, yeah, you are. Um, <laughs> and like people message me saying, okay, can you tell the writers you're not supposed to say things like this and all this sort of stuff. And like it's, EJ would never call Sammy this and like things like that. It's kind of funny. Um, but uh, Ari is fantastic. Lovely, lovely person. Obviously, there's a little bit of like, okay, what's he doing? Is he up to something? Is he genuine? And so that's what's kind of gets explored uh, within the next couple of episodes. But Ari is hilarious. We, we get along really, really well. And um, immediately we had like good chemistry with like the scenes and things like that. She made me feel really comfortable. And so, uh, yeah, she's lovely human to, to work with. And, and I'm very grateful to work with her. And, and, and we'll, we'll see how it all turns out. Have you had the chance to like get to know the castmates given that you're working within COVID, you can't rehearse face to face? I've got to know most of the castmates. I haven't worked obviously with all of them, but like we try and if we can like chat with each other in the hallways, even though we're not allowed to do that. Um, uh, But we've had like a few nights where we'll go out and have a couple of drinks and just chat with everyone on on our weeks off and stuff like that. So I have got to know uh, most of the cast because I know there's a lot of them. Uh Um, Like it's, I I went up to Canada for a convention recently and that's when I finally got to like properly hang out with uh, Brandon Beamer. And it's been like, what, six months? (laughs) because <laughs> um, our characters have never interacted and because of the way they shoot the show like once you're finished just say you start shooting at 8 and you finish an episode at 9 30 you go home and then i'll come in at 10 30 and just you just won't see each other so um it's it's yeah I, i've done my best to kind of know as many people as i possibly can but the way the show goes we'll we'll all end up like bumping into each other at some point in time so Mm-hmm. Uh, well, tell us what you do with yourself when you're not on the show. Oh, learning lines. Um, <laughs> uh, depending on yeah, depending on how how many episodes I've got during the week is I literally am just doing that. I'm just sitting down and learning lines. Now it's not as I don't spend as much time anymore on those lines because I'm picking it up a lot quicker, which is good. But I'll try and just chill out as much as I can. I'm really aiming for getting super fit again. So I'm doing a lot of hiking, a lot of weights. I've got a trainer back in Australia who sends me programs and things like that. And I've got a nutritionist in Australia who sends me like pro all diets and stuff. As I said before, I love watching sport. I'll watch sport. Um, the sport back in Australia is almost finished. So I'll have to find something else. So I'm now watching NFL. Um, yeah. And I mean, as much as I possibly can with, with, with uh, the restrictions, like I, I like going to the movies. I um, uh, hang out with friends as much as I can, but a lot of people are very still like, eh, but I, they're a bit more welcoming of me because I get tested almost every single day. I'm at work and I kind of keep myself responsible because if I test positive, then I can't work for a while. And I don't want to be responsible for shutting down a production. Um, it's not something to have on your shoulders. And um, yeah, that, 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 I mean, that's pretty much it. Just organizing things and just enjoying myself and chatting with the family and chatting with friends and, and 
yeah, just doing things to try and I like meditating um, and just doing things to try and better my life. And also being stupid and spending money online for things I don't need. <laughs> Who doesn't? That is true. That is true. It's never been one of those drunk situations where you're like, I'm going to buy this. It's never <laughs> been like that where you get something in the mail and you're like, what did I buy? <laughs> it's Story never been that, It hasn't been that situation yet. <laughs> All conscious, stupid choice decisions. Got it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Very much. So. I feel like someone else at your show who told me they're getting back in shape is Paul Telfer. I feel like the two of you could do like some sort of epic fitness show. Oh my gosh. Oh, I, like, I think he would destroy. He's such a big boy. <laughs> such a big boy. Like, I remember doing scenes with him with his shirt off. I'm like, dude, your chest is huge. And I said that to him. I said, your chest is like a barrel. And he goes, yeah, I've always had that. Like in my family, it's just naturally that kind of way. And I've got a tiny little chest. I'd have to work so hard to like, I wouldn't even be able to get to his level. I'm more the kind of like fast, kind of quick, kind of like smaller framed kind of a person. Um, whereas he, he's a big boy. A, and we, we got along really well as well because he, he auditioned. He was down uh, to the, uh, the short list of being the new Spartacus, actually. Wow. And they were doing that back then. So we got along really well like that. And he's, he's, a, he's a great person as well. And we've had some really fun scenes together. And we obviously, we had that fight sequence, which was really a lot of fun. And, and uh, lucky enough that we'd both done that kind of work together before. Well, not together, but we've done that type of work before. Um, and uh, it's, it's been really, really good. Yeah. Well, before we let you go, is there anything that we could give you the floor to say to the Days fans who are listening to this podcast and have just gotten to know you a little bit better? Well, I mean, first and foremost, thank you for watching the show. Uh, thank you for having an open mind. I know it's, it's always hard to welcome someone new into a role that you've loved for so long. I, I can't remember how long um, James is on the show for, um, but uh, thank you so much for, for allowing me to show you what I'm capable of. I am a different kind of an EJ cause I'm a different person. Um, uh, I, by all intents and purposes, it seems like, People have warmed up to me in my portrayal, which has been fantastic. So thank you very much for that. For people who I haven't won over yet, I'll keep going. <laughs> um, but uh, thank you so much. If, if, if it wasn't for the fans, then obviously the show wouldn't exist. So in a way, the fans are the most important people. And thank you very much for, for watching the show. And, and I, I appreciate all your love and support. Well, wonderful. Well, we have to thank you for all your time, for all your terrific thank stories. You. It was so nice to, you know, finally kind of chat with you longer, uh, for longer, and I hope to do it again soon. Absolutely. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Dan. Have a great day. Right. Thanks to you too. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to Dan Furigal for being our guest. If you like this podcast, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to pick up a new issue on sale now and come back next week for another podcast.